0: This Father's Day, celebrate the dads who bring joy, love, and laughter into our lives with a gift
1: from Mickey Couture. Our luxurious, ultra-soft blankets are the perfect way to show your appreciation for all the big and little moments he creates. Whether he's cheering on his favorite team or sharing
0: bedtime stories, a Mickey Couture blanket will wrap him up in comfort and love. Visit MinkyCouture.com or head to your nearest store and find the perfect blanket to make this Father's Day unforgettable. Mickey Couture, because dads deserve the very best. Live from wherever you happen to be, it's the SNL Hall of Fame Podcast. And now, here's your host, curator of the hall, Jamie Do.
2: Oh, that is just beautiful. Some of you may wonder what it is that I have done in my life to be so deserving of being twinkled in like that each and every week. Well, I can tell you that I eat three meals a day and I get to sleep by nine o'clock. So there's that. Uh, I got to tell you that um, my name is Jamie and I am the host of the SNL Hall of Fame podcast and a curator of the hall itself. What does that mean? Well, other than once a week telling you to wipe your feet because this is a uh, sacred space, I get to talk to really interesting people every week about really uh, interesting Saturday Night Live cast members, hosts, musical guests, and writers. This week is no different. I am sitting down with my good friend Ryan McNeil, and he is going to school me on... Prince yeah he's going to school me because I am one of those people who would never turn off a Prince song but I don't reach for Prince records and so I know very precious little about the enigmatic performer other than when I saw his first performance on SNL as I went through watching the performances uh the episodes you know one over one I noticed that his episode was really unique because he wasn't even the musical guest. He was a special guest, and he had this poise and this swagger right out of the chute. Now, I don't wanna steal too much of Ryan's Thunder because he gets into this. So I'll leave it at that, other than to say that uh, if you're into Prince, or even if you're not into Prince, this is a great interview, and I feel very strongly that Prince belongs on the ballot. Now, going back to my curator duties, I would say that the other thing to do is to prepare you, the listener, to uh, get your voting hat ready. Voting is going to open in May and you're going to have, you know, just about 30 different candidates that you're going to want to sift through and decide which of them gets one of your 12 votes. Uh, that's right. You get 12 votes, you get 12 and 12 only. Um, you can use them all. You can use as little as one. You can use five. It depends on what your criteria is for being deserving of the SNL hall of fame. I will then do some tabulation. And if a candidate hits 51% of all, all ballots appearing on all ballots, then they will be inducted into the hall, which is pretty exciting. We need to do something special for that. So stay tuned and we'll see what we can put together. I think it should be a lot of fun though. So that's what I have to say to you this week off the top. Uh, Why don't we get right into things here with my conversation with Ryan McNeil, uh, where we talk about prints. It was 40 years ago, February 21st, 1981, as that, um, an episode of Saturday Night Live in season six hosted by Charlene Tilton with special musical guest, Todd Rundgren, wait a minute, Prince shows up and not only does he show up, but he shows up on the first episode ever that Mr. Robinson's neighborhood appears and Charles Rocket drops the F-bomb At the end of the episode for the, to pay off their (laughs) who shot CR angle. Yet all these years later, 40 years later, that episode might be the most memorable for the performance of Prince Rogers, Nelson, Prince doing a performance of party up. So Ryan, clearly you can tell where I sit in terms of Prince being a hall of famer, but this isn't about me giving the nomination. This is about you giving the nomination. So where do you want to start?
1: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to get to this man called Prince. His SNL, um, life blood has so many oddities to it that it's kind of befitting a man who had so many oddities about him. Um, For for starters, the one that blows my brain because it so contradicts his brand, the man performed on SNL proper three times plus uh, a, a special that they did for their 15th anniversary. And all those appearances, he never wore purple which goes so yeah yeah goes so far against this guy's brand wow. yeah i am lucky enough to have seen this guy in concert and printed on the ticket for his concert children back when we printed our tickets it read wear something purple like he wanted the crowd to be you know in that color he never wore purple so that's that's oddity number one oddity number two um there is a gap in between those guest appearances, throw out that, throw out that special in between the guest appearances that was more than 24 years. Um, they've since had uh, Leon Russell and Elton John. I was going to say Elton John. but Elton John and Leon, Russell? Elton John and Leon Russell, they performed together. They did a record together a few years ago. Oh, okay. They performed together and that broke streaks for both of them that were longer than 24 years. But for the for the longest time, Prince was the longest person to come to to go in between performances. Twenty four years. That gap of almost a quarter century, (laughs) besides the fact that we're talking about a show that lasted that long. It skips the crux of Prince's fame. This gap starts in 1981 and ends in 2006. So he never comes on to promote Purple Rain. He never comes on to promote Sign of the Times. He doesn't come on to promote the Love Symbol album. He doesn't come on to promote 1999. Um, And just the one more oddity of it all is we'll get to the actual songs that he performs later. But for a guy who has so many hits that he gave iconic songs away most not most his iconic catalog if you had anybody create you a 20 song 30 song playlist on you know of prince material he skipped it all you know his performances on this show um you know party up is kind of the is is kind of at the top of it but the other songs that he performs they're not exactly what one would call hits and yet they're not hit. No, no, absolutely. And yet, you watch these clips, and holy shit, does he slay! Every single. You don't care that you don't know the words. You don't care that you don't know when to ooh and when to ah and whatever. You don't give a shit because it is just musicianship at its topest, topest, at its at its absolute peak. Wow. <laughs>
2: Tell me how you really feel. (laughs) It, It was interesting as I, as I looked at the list today and watched as many clips as I could, I was thinking that I didn't recognize these tracks, but I'm not somebody who would be earmarked as, you know, a gigantic Prince fan. So while I, I know the low hanging fruit, I might not know the, the fruit that is a little higher on the branch. And, you know, I didn't want to say, well, I, I don't recognize these if that wasn't <laughs> indeed the case, but to hear it from somebody who is a fan, that that's good to know. That's, uh, that's pretty staggering for somebody who we're saying has a hall of fame career to come on and not necessarily have any, and please, um, get ready to lunge at me. But to not have what what might be called a Hall of Fame, a Hall of Fame performance
1: well, so here's the here okay here is where the here's where the difference comes in because I have watched bands perform songs that were like the top hit of that year. I've watched songs, I've watched bands perform top hits of their careers, because as time goes on and you get bands on, they don't they're, they're, their job is usually to play the new stuff when they get there. But a lot of times, if it's a legacy act, when it comes to that second number that they do at, uh, you know, at 1245 or 1250, some bands like to trot out something older just for kicks. Right. Uh, Bruce does that. You two does that. Paul Simon likes to do that. Uh, they, they like to, to trot out a fan favorite. Prince has such confidence and swagger in his. Well, love it. Material. And yes. more importantly, his bands, the bands that he gets to back him up, that he just decides we're going to, you know, we're going to play what we play and you are going to love it because we're that good. Um, and you do, you watch these performances. You, anybody who, calls up clips of Fury or Electric Chair or, you know, or, or, or some of these other ones that we're going to talk about in a minute, I dare you to watch them and be bored. There are some, there, I've, I've watched so many bands go on to SNL that I actually thought were pretty damn good. And the episode that was on last night was one of those instances, and they just fall flat in the live experience. Prince was basically created for the live experience, whether it's a living room or a bloody football stadium. The man knows how to put on a live show. He believes in real musicians making real music so much that he does not give a shit what they play, but they will play at their best.
2: This is a man that can make it rain.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you can. Um, You know, it's, you know, so Prince's career for anybody who may just be a casual fan or may not even, you know, I'm sure there's people who haven't given a crap about Prince um, in their lives is a very interesting arc because he was one of the seminal uh, acts in the 80s, kind of in a box with only Madonna and... Michael Jackson. You could put, yeah, you could put, you could put Bruce Springsteen into that box, but Bruce got a head start in the 70s. Of the 80s, it's just the, sure. it's just those three. And then in the early 90s, Prince takes a very long strange walk into the wilderness. Um for all kinds of reasons that would take a whole other show, um he does not like commercial music anymore. He does not like his deal with Warner Brothers anymore. He does not like radio anymore. And he just becomes this curiosity who, through it all, is still creating really interesting and really great music that, you know, doesn't quite have that bubbly singles appeal that he was having for 15 years or 20 years. And he's just, you know, he's still performing. He's still putting on all these shows. He's still showing up on award shows and doing this thing. But he's really wandering in the wilderness. So then we jump to 2004. And he has this incredible comeback he gets inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame he opens the grammys that year uh his that was was the big deal that was the yeah that was the big deal yeah yeah he opens the grammys by playing let's go crazy like he's embracing the hits again he's embracing his old stuff because for a while he didn't really want to play the old stuff um he launches this new record musicology which was much more in a line with the more accessible stuff uh all over 2004 he gets back into SNL two years later in February, uh, 2006, uh, and then by 2007 he's playing halftime of the Super Bowl. So he goes from really being off on his own journey, his own walkabout, into being smacked in the middle of the zeitgeist again. Through in the in the middle of all that, though, he is an absentee. He's largely an absentee act from Saturday Night Live. Like he, the the bulk of his career. He, he's not there. He's not there in like, uh, um, you know, he doesn't go and do a guest spot. He doesn't go and and do a cameo. They're doing skits about him. Like at one point, Fred Armisen was doing the Prince show. Uh, Does it on the last episode with him? Yeah. Yeah. Print the last time Prince showed up, Fred Armisen, (laughs) who wasn't even in the cast at that point, does the Prince show. And everybody's like, okay, Prince is going to show up in the Prince show. No, Prince is, Prince is not interested in that. Prince Prince is
2: is not interested in that.
1: Print this. This this man's this man's interests and this man's uh, ideas of what is worth his time are so amusing. Like he will. But nu- you
2: would think he would have signed off on it. You would think in in a in a in a um, subtle way. Anyway, it would have. It, you just think it would have been brought to him. I mean, like just on a politeness. Level. I'm sure it was. We're going to do this. I'm,
1: I'm sure it was, and I'm sure he said. It's going to be fun, but no thanks. Like, you know, this is a guy who's performed with the Muppets. OK, this this is not a That's guy. Right. He did like, yeah. as, as st- stodgy as he seems in some of his attitudes. Um, this is not a guy who is above having fun. You know, this is a guy who did an entire episode of The New Girl. He is not a person who is above <laughs> laughing at himself. Um, So it's so strange and, and to see this storied career. Um, that, that, you know, was, was humming for the same amount of time, almost, you know, like give or take a few years that SNL has been humming and be, and have him be not a part of that. You know, I mean, in the same, you can put it in the same sort of category that Michael Jackson was never a part of it. You know, Madonna has shown up. I
2: wonder if they would have been, I wonder if they would have been able to contain him. Prince or Michael. You know, if, if he, if he shows up in 1987 on SNL.
1: Prince? Prince. Sure. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I believe, you know, he was he was he was doing stuff. He was out there. He was around. He was he was talking on MTV. He was playing the awards. He was still he was making music videos. <clears> he was around. I mean, that's a small studio. I just mean, that's a small studio.
2: And that's a big that's a big act. Yeah. You know, that's a really
1: big act yeah. at that point. So, you know, we get to that first clip you talked about of him him in 1981 playing Party Up from his his second yeah. record, Dirty Mind. And
0: now here's Prince. Down the wall.
1: watch that performance and people can find it. Um, it's a little bit surreal because he's not in front of one of his most famous backing bands. He's not in front of the revolution and he's not in front of the new power generation. He's starting to embrace his style of being sexually fluid. Uh, you know, like he's wearing this long trench coat, which at first it's, it's like, why is trench why is Prince playing in the trench coat? And then every once in a while when it flies open, you can see that he's wearing you know, a Teddy and like stockings. It's like, Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, and through it all, like even though, you know, like the, 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 song is not exactly, you know, you're, you're going to get like 20, 20 numbers in before somebody brings up party up uh, as one of his best songs. This sh- gotcha, Okay. The showmanship is there. The energy. The is showmanship there. is so there. The, I feel a fully yeah, formed The energy is there. The performance is there. Um, this is a guy. I count myself lucky to have seen him a handful of times. This is a this is an artist who believes in being note perfect every single time, and We're it go- is and that
2: first performance is spectacular. He just makes Todd Rundgren must have been furious
1: yeah. that he was so upstaged, yeah. and it's it's incredible. Um, it's the sort of performance uh, SNL every now and then when a performance plays and it really hits me in the goods i'll immediately chase down a concert like i will see if this band is coming to my town i will put on like reminders and that kind of thing if they're not immediately and it's happened a few times over years this would have been one of those if i was of age at the time i would have immediately been like i need to keep my eyes open for when i need to see yeah i need to see this yes so then he comes back he comes back for the 15th anniversary show in 1989 (laughs) it's another kind of weird performance because it's a look that people aren't used to seeing. Prince's hair is really long, really straight. Um, he is performing in front of a giant Batman logo, which the next, you know, the next time somebody wants to talk to me about how crassly commercial comic book movies are, I want to point them back to 1989. (laughs) Um, he plays the song electric chair, which again is a this is where we begin this cookie choice of song because that Batman album it went five singles deep back when albums would do that and this wasn't one of them you know he could have played what yeah could have played bat dance could have played party man he he could have played you know a whole bunch of songs that people knew he's like let's do electric chair and once again like he did with Party up, he just gives it. The band is incredible. he's incredible. you don't give a shit that you don't know the song. you're like, I am watching incredible music. Wow yeah, yeah I, I
2: I burned out my VHS tape. I had that special on tape forever mm-hmm. and just watched the living heck out of it and including the print performance. And I wasn't into prints at the time I was, you know, that oh, was like 1989. So I was probably listening to hair metal, mm-hmm. you know, so the exact opposite. Um, but definitely that soundtrack, that Batman soundtrack permeated my little world and, um, would have listened to it a bunch of times and that performance, you, you know, you just can't, you can't, argue performance sometimes you know when it comes to um a really talented talented act
1: like prince he's one of the best guitarists of all time i do not say that lightly and i know we could probably be here on a whole other show for who is and is not the best guitarist of all time but he is one of the best guitarists of all time and you want me to strap my axe (laughs) on right now don't you and what i will say is every time he has showed up on the show his guitar playing is on full display yeah, you know,
2: yeah, from party up for sure. Yeah.
1: So then he goes and takes his walk in the wilderness. Seventeen years go by. <laughs> I love that. And he has this comeback with musicology a couple of years ago. A couple of years after that, he releases this album Thirty One Twenty One. And I guess somebody had a favor to call in, or Prince owed somebody money because now he's back on SNL. Twenty four years after his first appearance, seventeen years after this special, back he comes. And he plays, he starts out by playing the song called Fury, which was a single, um, not the most, you know, not exactly a famous single at that point. It wasn't exactly tearing up the charts. He gets the stage. He always got the stage looking interesting. That first moment, that first performance when he was playing Party Up, that was the kind of typical, you know, New York streetscape stage that they were putting everybody on at the time after that, he always kind of has fun with it, whether he's doing the smoke and Batman thing or fury, he's got the whole place looking like it's like a flaming hellscape later on. He would just really go crazy with it, with um, his um, third eye girl show. And he's got these backup singers going through a full dance routine that you, you only see like on a Motown review and the song just slays. His guitar playing is off the hook. His band is super tight. I dare anybody to watch his performance of Fury and not come away a believer in the Church of Prince.
2: (laughs) Amen. What do you think of the performance uh, from season 40 when he showed up the last time?
1: So this is where I we got two things that happen now. That really lay bare SNL's belief and love of Prince as um, a persona. Three things. We have three. Oh, sorry. We have, at this point, we get three things that really lay bare SNL's love and respect for Prince as an artist and a persona. So, first, he comes back in 2014 and he plays. A medley of songs he plays clouds uh plectrum electrum he plays mars and he plays another love and if you're thinking to your head in your head ryan you just rhymed off four songs how the hell did he do that well yeah they give him eight minutes in the middle of the show to play whatever the hell he wants and again he you know they do rehearsal they know they're not getting eight minutes of purple rain but they're still saying Yep, you know what? Advertise Do what you want. Advertisers be damned. You want to go out there and play for eight minutes? Go ahead. You know, it's offset slightly by the fact that he doesn't come back and play later, but to give one band eight minutes at midnight, just do again whatever the hell they want, that shows Live TV. Live TV. That shows some real chutzpah. No hits, kooky choices. At this point, his backup band is Third Eye Girl. Killer musicianship behind him. His guitarist is incredible. His drummer is incredible. The band is all women. Prince has always been about empowering and propping up women with talent. You can see that throughout his career, and this is kind of the, the apex of that. He starts out this number behind a piano. He moves on to lead guitar, and again, he just wails. And you watch this performance, and from verse to verse, song to song, he just keeps raising the stakes until the crowd fucking loses its mind at the, at the time that it's done
2: He knows how to he knows how to manipulate an audience, and I mean that in mm-hmm. in the best way possible. At this point, he is a seasoned veteran of thirty five years, you know, forty years, probably. yep. And he knows what it takes to, you know, move people. Yep,
1: he does. He absolutely does, and he knows that on paper this shouldn't work. Eight minutes of four new songs. You know, like the the, the running joke is the quickest way at a concert to send the crowd running to the beer stand is to say we're going to play something new. <laughs> you know, sure. You, they, you watch the aisles, people will flee. I've been at shows where a band plays an entire new album end to end. And it just doesn't compute. You know, you don't know, you haven't heard the stuff yet. You don't know what's good. What's not. You don't know where the lifts are. Nothing. It's, it's a nice idea in theory, but it's such a weird experience. Prince is like, screw it. I can do this. I can play stuff there. <laughs> they don't know. They won't care. They're going to be on my side by the time this is over, as if I've just done the when up's cry. Let's go crazy. Purple Rain medley, you know, they, they will be. That's what's so great about it
2: is when somebody does have a catalog that, that deep and that rich, when they can play catalog numbers and make you forget about those chartbusters, you know, that, that is a real, real talent. Um, so that's as far. Go ahead. So, sorry. What I wanted to say to you is I, I want to get specifics that you look for in, uh, in a, an SNL hall of famer from the musical category. Like we're working our way backwards here. We've just extolled the virtues of Prince for, you know, the better part of, I don't know, 40 minutes. <laughs> um, but so that's why he belongs in the hall of fame, but why, why is he even nominated? You know, like what, what other things do you look for? We talked about it with, uh, Maybe I don't need to go here, well, um, but yeah, I do. I want to know. I, I, I guess I want to know your methodology. Okay.
1: Um, you have to slay. It's, 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 it's that simple. You are given five minutes on national broadcast live, like no net. Um, you. It doesn't matter what genre you are, whether it's your first album or your 21st album. You have five minutes to go out there and kill. And throughout SNL's run, they have had acts that have killed. They have had all kinds of other acts that are either okay or just fall so bloody flat. Um, They have had other moments entirely which become part of the pop culture language that I don't think merits Hall of Fame induction. So I'm thinking about stuff like Elvis Costello stopping his song. I'm thinking about stuff like, you know, obviously Sinead O'Connor ripping up the picture. Um, there, There's all kinds of these sorts of moments. I'm thinking of even like Radiohead just screaming their way through the last verse There's all kinds of these moments that become something else. Um, Ashley Simpson, of course, for getting getting caught lip syncing. These are a whole other beast. My criteria for a Hall of Fame performance is you've gone out there several times and you've just killed. And, you know, you've been to enough live shows, you know pretty good from Kill. Every single time, regardless of the fact that he's not playing the hits, Prince would kill. The two other moments where you can tell what Prince meant to this show in terms of his talent and their respect and their fandom is SNL had this 40th anniversary show and they had this after party. Prince plays this after party. There's clips online where you can find where he right where, call. Yeah, where he, fi- he plays this after party at the Plaza Hotel in New York and Jimmy How Hall- Jimmy Fallon is the MC. He's calling up legends onto the stage he's calling up paul mccartney to play he's calling up dan Aykroyd to play he's calling up you know taylor swift to play and debbie harry and at the end of this after party with capital a listers like jay-z and beyonce are there at 4 30 in the fucking morning prince closes the show by playing by finally playing a hit by finally playing let's go crazy for friends and family, like not live on TV, just for people there. You, the, this footage exists online. It's very easy to find. And if you watch this clip, you will see people like Chris Rock and Maya Rudolph and Emma Stone and Bill Murray and Haim just lose it. It's as though they are on stage with God. And these are people who are preconditioned to act cool at every turn, They don't give a crap. And the irony of it all is that it was caught on footage because Prince is notoriously shy about cell phone footage. So the fact that this footage even exists is crazy. And the last moment that you can tell this artist's respect and esteem within SNL is... uh, Sorry. (laughs) Is after he passed away in 2016... SNL does a special for him. Like they've done specials for everything from politics to sports to, co- to commercials, you name it. They've never done, uh, a whole, sh- uh, special episode dedicated to a musician. He's the first one. And SNL has deep roots with the, with the bands that come on YouTube, Bruce Springsteen, Paul McCartney, George Harrison. They've got some, re- um, you know, um, Tom Petty, they've got some really, really deep connections with uh, with a lot of these acts. They have never once dedicated half an hour on TV to talk about how much they loved one particular act. And they did it for Prince after he died in 2016.
2: Well, if that doesn't tell you all you need to know about why Prince belongs in the SNL Hall of Fame, then I don't know what I can tell you. Uh, but ultimately, it will come down to you to vote and we'll see how that turns out. But Prince is officially now on the ballot. And we'll uh, see how it turns out. Thanks a lot, Ryan. Taking me away. That was terrific. Ryan came very well prepared. His pencil was sharpened and his notes were well manicured. <laughs> I don't know what that means. But uh, you have to understand that uh, he brought a lot of passion. And he brings a lot of passion to his other projects as well. If you want more from Ryan McNeil, you can find him at thematinee.ca. It's a home for cinematic Passion and perspective. It uh, includes a podcast called The Matinee Cast, and uh, it's a, a wonderful treat to get to hear somebody like Ryan talk about things that he's passionate about. So there's that. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Hope you uh, are confounded and confused as to where your vote is going to go when the time does come. I think it's going to be exciting. I think it's going to be real exciting and um, lastly i'm looking for somebody maybe that is interested in trying to design what the hall of fame plaques will look like when the time comes if there's anyone out there that's interested in that sort of project please send me an email jamie uh, at snlhof.com and i will do my best to get back to you in a timely manner also looking for ratings and reviews on apple podcasts yes podcasters are still asking for that shit. I I don't know what it is about that stuff that, you know, gets us crazy, but that's what we want. And God damn it. That's what we need. So help us out. Won't you? Lastly, I can tell you that if you haven't shared or told a friend about the podcast, uh, please do. Uh, That definitely helps us grow. I know that. And I can see that that is happening. And that's a real wonderful feeling. So there's that. Next week on The Pod, I am joined by Head Honcho over at the SNL After Party, which you can find at SNL Podcasts, to discuss the career of Tina Fey. Now, this is going to be interesting because when we first had this conversation, we were talking about Tina in a slightly different context. And I'll, I'll get into that next week. So until then, please turn out the lights because for now... The SNL Hall of Fame is closed. Thanks
0: for listening to the SNL Hall of Fame podcast. You can find everything you need to know about the show at SNLHOF.com. Don't forget to subscribe, share, rate, and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. This is Doug Danant saying, this is Doug Danant saying, see you next month in the hall.
2: That's some such.